Welcome to the Wits About Us podcast, episode three, where we connect women and their parents and caregivers to information and resources to help them succeed in a traditional trade apprenticeship. Hi, Peter. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you, Stacey. Lovely to be here today. You are a researcher and you also run a national apprenticeship information service. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my pathway into the apprenticeships industry was probably a bit different to a lot of people uh, because I actually came through an academic pathway. So my background um, is in research. Um, So I started my career um, doing my PhD in psychology uh, before moving into vocational education and training research um, and then from there into apprenticeships. Over the last uh, six or seven years, I've been working at a national information service about apprenticeships and traineeships. So working really closely with our students and job hunters, employers, and people across the Australian apprenticeships industry, um, just to help them out with information that they need to help them um, on their career pathways. The apprenticeship industry is just such a fabulous place to work because it really brings together a lot of my passions, which are around helping people, particularly with their employment and education journeys. I think employment and education are such a foundational um, and important aspect of people's lives. It can really make a huge difference to them. And being able to help people out with really good information and resources um, can really make such a big difference. And apprenticeships are also on the cutting edge uh, of what's going on in the, the world of work. Um, So it really pulls together some really exciting uh, work that we've been able to do. I love that. Apprenticeships are on the cutting edge. They absolutely are because they're teaching young people exactly what they need to know to be successful in the workplace. Um, Why is it important for more young women to consider traditional trade apprenticeships? I mean, there are so many reasons why traditional trades are a fantastic pathway I'll start off particularly talking about young women first off. And the reason why we need more young women in traditional trades is because we just don't have enough at the moment. They're a fantastic career pathway for anyone, um, but at the moment they really are male dominated. So our women and non-binary non-binary um, people coming into traditional trades really are uh, not at the level that we'd like to see. So some of the benefits of a traditional trade, I mean, first off, as I said, they are at the cutting edge um, of uh, changes of technology and of the future of work. So they're a really good um, long-term career pathway. They're also paid really well. So trying to, you know, change some of that gender pay gap, it's really important to to give women and non-binary people the opportunities to move into those high quality roles. And we also have a massive skill shortage across our trades. So they're really good careers for someone to go into um, and to be able to, you know, have that kind of sustainable career option for the rest of their lives. So they're an absolutely fantastic option for a lot of people. And particularly for people who want to go out there and work with their hands, do something really practical. And there are a lot of women who, and girls who want to do careers like that, um, but haven't necessarily traditionally moved into those kind of trade occupations. Um, So overcoming some of those barriers will be really positive for a lot of women and girls. Now, 
talking about trades themselves and why we need more people in trade careers generally is because these really are growth areas. Mm. So Mm. we're seeing not just in our kind of usual industries that we've seen a lot of over the past 50 or 100 years, talking about things like construction and manufacturing, you know, mining and and mineral processing. We're also seeing a huge growth across new industries, new career options, um, and trades are really at the forefront of this. So it's really important kind of growth area for the Australian economy. And we really need to be getting more women and girls into these career options to be able to kind of, you know, beat down some of those walls and some of those barriers and also give themselves options into really good quality careers. It's so exciting, isn't it, to be, you know, right here and now there is absolutely growth happening in these industries. And one way to counter the skills shortage that we are experiencing, of course, is to encourage more women into trade-based careers. However, what are some common misconceptions that might deter young women from considering a career as a traditional tradesperson? I think there are a lot of misconceptions about the trades um, generally, but I'd say first off, you know, there is a, a a misconception that trades aren't for women. And we know that that's not true. And I know through this podcast series, we've already heard from, um, you know, a fantastic woman who's in a trade. um, And, you know, it's really exciting to be able to see women who have already gone through these pathways. uh, And it's absolutely something that women can do. Um, So I think there is a misconception there sometimes that, you know, trades are are too dirty, it's too heavy, um, it's, it's just not the right kind of environment for women. And I'd really say that that's absolutely not true. It might not be right for all women, but it's not right for all men either. So we need to really look at who it's right for as an individual, not just Mm. based on their gender. Um, That's a really important um, thing to, to think about. I think there's also a misconception that trades are dying out, um, that you know, particularly in areas like manufacturing or mining, that there aren't going to be career opportunities there in the future. Um, And I would say that this is absolutely not true. Um, Not only are we seeing growth in new industries and new areas Mm -hmm. such as, uh, you know, around the um, net zero economy and circular economy, but we're also seeing really big growths across things like manufacturing as Australia is trying to build up our sovereign capability workforce. So making sure that we're able to to build things, to manufacture things in Australia. and then when we're looking at things like mining as well, you know, our, our net zero uh, economic change is going to require a huge amount of minerals, a lot of which are, are predominantly found in Australia. So sometimes up to, you know, a quarter or a third of these really important uh, minerals and metals that we need for net zero are going to be found uh, in Australia. So we need more people there. And then construction is the really other huge industry for trades as well. And we could see at the moment the construction booms right across the country, you know, domestic housing builds, um, big infrastructure builds as well. So kind of any industry that you look at, we are seeing growth. So we're seeing both current skill shortages. We don't have enough tradies Mm. right here and Mm. now, but we're also seeing massive growth. So if we don't do something to encourage Mm. more people and more diverse people into the trades, as a country, we're going to have really big problems over the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years. So these are really important careers to get people into. They've got a really good lifespan ahead of them. You know, these are careers that people can go into, build up a career pathway through and then retire out of, you know, in maybe 50 or 60 years time potentially. Um, But there is, you know, a huge amount of growth that's going on that we need to consider. 
So this is absolutely critical for the sustainability of our economy. And one way to counterbalance those misconceptions is to completely take gender out of career decision making and to look at the individual, their strengths, their interests, and to, I suppose, connect them to information about these newly emerging areas in green energy, for example. So then with that in mind, how can parents and educators better support young women who do express interest in traditional trade apprenticeships or perhaps don't express it but would be, you know, great candidates for this area? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think there's so much that uh, parents and educators and other uh you know, family and friends can do to support young women uh, right from the time they're born through to that point where they're, they're making that career transition. So we know that parents are the main influence on uh, their children's career decision making. So that's a really um, important thing to consider. If you are a parent of a young woman, you're the person who's going to be influencing their choice more than anyone else um, that's around them. So that's a really uh, important responsibility. There are a few things that you can do or quite a lot of things that you could do to encourage uh, your, your your daughters or your children um, into uh, their career decision making. So firstly, I would say that exploring our strengths and weaknesses, exploring different kinds of career options is really important. If you've got um, a, a daughter who's at school who is potentially looking at what subjects she might be wanting to do through year 9, 10, 11, 12, um, I think there's a lot that you could do to um, express first off that you're happy for her to, to go into anything that she wants, even if she will be the only girl in the class or one of a, a few. Um, go and talk to teachers, to a career advisor or career counsellor who might be in that school environment about what that might look like um, and why she might want to be uh, considering going into those um, areas. There are a lot of other options you can look at in that school environment as well around work experience. So we know that um, when um, young men are going into a trade, often they're connected up through their networks, so through their parents or through their friends, and they're connected up directly with employers to do work experience or then even to go into their apprenticeship. But we know that young girls typically don't have that same opportunity. So consider if you are able to support your daughter into um, exploring that career pathway. It might not be straight into that apprenticeship employment option, but maybe you've got a, a friend, a family member or a neighbour who works in a trade who's able to take your daughter on for work experience mm. and you can make that connection or even start a discussion with them about what that career looks like. Um, you know, the pros and cons, we know that every job has great parts and, you know, not so great parts. So having those realistic discussions about what that might look like um, and being able to really explore those different types of pathways. Mm. So I think those connections are really important. I think expressing um, that you're willing for your daughter to go into those pathways is important. And just having those discussions at home about what she may like doing, um, what careers might connect up. But I'd also say, you know, if you want to go a bit above and beyond uh, these kind of general discussions, there are so many resources out there that can help parents um, and students and, and job searchers um, looking for uh, information about what their options are. Um, there are there's the National Careers Institute, uh, which has information Australia wide. There's also Careers New South Wales, which has fantastic information, including being able to connect up with someone working in the industry for a discussion around that 
what that might look like. And I think that's a really powerful um, tool to be able to have those discussions and find out a bit more information. You know, a lot of people have misconceptions about what things look like, particularly mm. around the trades and these ideas that, you know, they're very repetitive and um, that they haven't changed over time. We know that that's not true working in the apprenticeship sector. Of course, we know that that's not true, that mm. these, these things have changed a lot over the years. But of course, for someone that's not connected up with that, it can be really difficult to, to understand what's going on. So being able to connect up with someone who's able to have those discussions is really important and can be a real eye opener for parents, um, as well as for uh, younger people who are considering career pathways. That is so interesting and some absolutely amazing resources out there where you can even have a discussion with someone in the industry. It's just fabulous. What are some of the skills and competencies that you would say that traditional trade apprenticeships can provide that are particularly beneficial for women in the workplace? Yeah, so traditional trades, I think they do have that perception of being really manual and repetitive, but that's not really the case across a lot of them anymore. Um, particularly in things like electrical, plumbing, carpentry, which are some of our really big trade uh, areas, but really across uh, across the breadth, you are having to um, evolve or develop a, a lot of uh, cognitive abilities. So things like communication skills, we know that tradespeople have to be able to communicate really well across um, and within their teams um, and with general public uh, people a lot of the time. So that's a really important um, what what's often called a soft skill, but isn't mm. really very mm. soft because it's absolutely vital um, a, across your career, but also in your personal life. Um, you know, a lot of critical thinking skills. So most of our tradespeople are actually going in to a workplace where they're having to solve problems. Uh, so they might have a piece of work, whether that's, you know, going into someone's home to work out what's what's going wrong or whether it's in a new build or an industry, you're having to go in and um, do a lot of critical thinking and problem solving. And so these are really high level skills that might sometimes be associated with more academic or professional work, but are absolutely important um, across our trades. But I think the great thing about a trade is that it is really practical and applied. So even though it's not um, always completely hands-on anymore, we are using a lot more technology and those kinds of elements across the work, um, you know, you are actually able to go out and do something with your hands, do something practical and pull all of these things together to, to build something or create something. And a lot of tradespeople that you talk with will talk about the, the passion that they have for being able to do something practical, but also the satisfaction that they get once they are able to build something or solve a problem, um, find a fix for their client, you know, within their industry. Um, and these are really important um, competencies and skills that people can apply across their entire life. But also starting off in an apprenticeship, um, they can build on throughout their entire career and end up potentially, you know, as a supervisor, a building manager, um, you know, into a lot of different types of, of higher level roles. That I absolutely concur and can echo your thoughts there. I worked in the MyGas recruitment team for some time and the host employers, when we interviewed them in relation to what they were seeking in a candidate, would often reference personal skills prior to technical skills. So they would say things like communication, um, problem solving skills, uh, critical thinking like you mentioned, but also attitude. They wanted someone that was passionate about the trade that was going to turn up and learn. Um, 
And then they were happy to teach the technical skills on the job. And that's the most wonderful thing about an apprenticeship. You're getting paid to learn. Um, Tell me a little bit about your experience or your understanding of how critical that is in terms of undertaking an apprenticeship um, and learning those skills on the job. Yeah, look, an apprenticeship is a learning opportunity first and foremost. So you are working for an employer and that's really important. The employers will absolutely tell you that as well, that it is important to work, but it is a learning opportunity. So being willing to show up, uh, to have that attitude, to understand that you are learning things um, is absolutely critical for a positive apprenticeship experience, both for the employer being able to teach you, but also for the apprentice being able to take that on and progress. So you think some of our trade apprenticeships are up to four years in duration. So you've got a lot of learning that you're going to be doing over that time. So you do need someone who is uh, passionate about learning, who's willing to take that on, kind of willing to start from scratch, start at the bottom um, and work their way up a lot of the time. Now, there, of course, are people that go into an apprenticeship with some skills already, particularly if they've done a pre-apprenticeship beforehand. Um, But it is, first and foremost, that learning opportunity to be able to develop your skills on the trade. So having those um, softer skills, the communication, the problem solving, the the good attitude, um, and being able to demonstrate that to an employer before you start that, that, as you say, Stacey, that's absolutely what employers are looking Mm -hmm. for. Um, to be able to take on. I think one of the things that we uh, can sometimes forget in an apprenticeship is that while you are working um, and learning on the job, you are also going off and doing your off-the-job training um, towards the qualification that Mm. you are developing. Mm. Um, So it it can take a bit of time management and a lot of dedication to be able to do that. Um, And Uh, When you are going into that apprenticeship, you do need to have those expectations that you are going to be developing those skills um, along the journey. And I'd say that also brings me to another really important thing that uh, apprenticeships are training um, young people up for really well is that lifelong journey, uh, lifelong learning mm. journey mm. that they're going to have. So we do know that people are going to have to keep learning over their careers. We're already doing it. Uh, people who are out there working right now are learning new technologies. They're learning new skills as they go. And that's going to become more and more critical. And the apprenticeship really sets people up um, for that. So having that attitude, that willingness to jump in and learn and develop the skills that they're going to take throughout their careers is absolutely uh, what we're wanting to see. That's such a great point because essentially by doing that apprenticeship and learning to learn and and developing that desire to learn is something that is so critical for the rest of your career. I want to talk about career development and how sometimes we look at a career as a linear pathway and how sometimes we think that if we step into a trade career, we can't go to university, or if we step into university, we can't go to a trade career. Are people seeking out your services in terms of information that are at a different stage of their career? Perhaps they've done something else as a younger person, and now they're moving into it as an older person. You know, there's not a dichotomy. It's not either or. It can be both. Absolutely, it can be. You know, there are so many pathways. As you're saying, it's it's not linear. It's not a direct path. Um, we know so many people that contact us have gone through different um, pathways already. In fact, when we're looking at female tradies, what we see a lot of the time is that they are a lot older than their male counterparts. Right. Um, and part of the reason for this is probably that they... Um, 
they didn't pursue a trade straight out of school like mm. a lot of young men do mm. um, because a lot of these misconceptions and, and stereotypes around women coming into trades. But that once they've got a bit of experience, they've built up their self-confidence, their belief, um, that they are then going up what some people call back, but going back to start an apprenticeship. So starting again at that, uh, you know, uh, entry level position, mm. but with a lot of other skills. So potentially they have gone and done a university qualification, or they might have gone to TAFE for a training provider and uh, done a qualification in a different type of industry. Maybe they've gone and worked in that industry for a while and then realised that actually this isn't for me. I don't like sitting at a desk all day. I do mm. want to go out and do something with my hands. And so we are seeing a lot of women who take that non linear pathway into a trade apprenticeship. But once you're in an apprenticeship, that's not the end. By mm, no means mm. is that the end. You know, there's a lot of other study that you can do, whether that's formal qualifications, so a different type of vocational qualification or a university degree. Um, often, if you do um, move through uh, the voca vocational education system, you can get credit um, for parts of your qualification if you go to university. So there um, are integrated pathways um, across both systems that you can consider. There's also a lot of other types of personal development, non-accredited uh, training, for example, that a lot of uh, tradespeople are doing as well. So there are so many different pathways. And then in terms of the actual occupation itself, kind of beyond that formal learning, um, a lot of tradespeople end up in uh, supervisory roles, yes. in management roles, owning their own business, for example. That's mm. an absolutely uh, fantastic pathway. And when we're talking about things that women uh, value in a workforce around being uh, flexible, uh, owning your own business is such a great opportunity there as well. Um, but a lot of tradespeople aren't going to stay on the tools for their entire career. Mm. It's great if they want to. We've got some really, uh, you know, high quality technical uh, specialists out there on the tools, which is fantastic. But there are opportunities to move around within industry, within different types of occupations, take a lot of those skills that you've developed uh, in your apprenticeship and apply them across different types of roles, whether it's in the same industry or, you know, or moving somewhere else as well. Mm. Um, the employers that I'm talking to, employers of tradies, um, they're telling me they're seeking more and more uh, professional development in leadership, in management, in human-centred skills. Um, and that's something that my training offers, the subsidiary of my gas. And we're seeing more hosts who have moved into those supervisory uh, areas coming in to do that training, which is wonderful to see. So with that in mind then, how do you see the landscape of traditional trade apprenticeships for women changing in the next five to 10 years, particularly given there's a groundswell um, and people are really interested in moving into these areas? I think the first thing that we're seeing in the short term, so that five to 10 year landscape is a much greater number of women that are coming into trades. We're already seeing it in some states um, where state governments are pushing to increase uh, diversity across the workforce. And we're already seeing a lot of initiatives that are supporting women into trades. So I think in terms of those numbers, we're absolutely going to see that. We've got pressure coming from government. We've got pressure coming from, you know, tradeswomen who are supporting other women into the industry. And we've got that pressure from the economy in general and those skill shortages where employers who may not have taken on a female apprentice in the past um, are really needing to explore and looking to explore their options on who they can take on um, into those apprenticeship positions. So I think first off, we're going to see a much 
greater number of women coming into trades. And along with that, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, benefits uh, for the trade workforce. We're going to see some cultural shifts. Um, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one thing that there has been a lot of discussion about in the past around some of the trade workforces having quite a blokey culture um, and that being off-putting for women. But we're already seeing um, a lot of movement to stop that, to, you know, improve the culture, to make sure um, that it is a welcoming environment. And I think that's already happened and is continuing to happen a lot Um, throughout a lot of this workforce. And then along with that, we're also going to be seeing some really rapid changes in what tradespeople are actually doing. So, of course, you can't go a a day without hearing about AI at the moment. Um, And yeah, technology is uh, rapidly changing what's going on um, across the entire economy, across all occupations. But these kinds of shifts are going to be affecting um, people who are working in the trades through what they're actually doing, the types of work um, that they're implementing, the programs and the tools that they're using um, in uh, their day-to-day job. And then, of course, in the types of training and skills that they need to be able to do that. So we're going to see, uh, you know, that increase in uh, technological capability across um, a lot of our uh, apprentices and qualified tradespeople. And I think coming in at an apprenticeship level is a great way to be at the forefront um, of those kinds of changes and being able to pull them through um, into the industry where uh, potentially you've got qualified uh, tradies who aren't engaging as much in um, uh, learning at the moment because they are focused on on their work and being able to use um, apprentices as a way to kind of shift the dial on the implementation of some of that technology as well. Um, so I think we're going to be seeing um, a lot of changes across who's going into trades, across those cultures, but then also across the types of work um, that our trades people are going to be doing. There's a lot of rapid shifting um, in the landscape at the moment, which uh, can be a little bit um, scary at times, but also creates so much opportunity for people who are considering their career options. And absolutely. And the more women that move into trade-based careers, the more that dial will be pushed in terms of that cultural shift. What can we do to make workplaces more inclusive for women who are coming into the sector? I think there's a lot that we can do. Um, So starting off uh, at the employer. Uh, So of course, you know, these kind of cultural changes do come a lot of the time from the workforce that's already in place and from the employer. Now we know that there are so many amazing employers out there who um, have already taken on female apprentices who have female tradespeople working for them. And I'd say, first off, congratulations to those employers who are already doing amazing work. That is so important to see. Um, but we're going to see more employers who are jumping into that. So I'd say that kind of uh, networking and uh, cross pollination across um, workplaces and across employers um, is really important. A lot of people are going to be um, taking on lessons from others who are already doing great work in, in these environments, um, but making sure that you do have that uh, welcoming workplace where first and foremost, you are willing to take on Uh, female apprentices or female tradespeople, listen to them, listen to what they want and what their challenges and problems are in the workplace. Um, I was at a fantastic event earlier this year uh, talking about this topic, women in uh, construction actually specifically, um, and a lot of the problems that they were facing. And a lot of these challenges are things that employers 
can shift and can change, um, but they haven't always had uh, the need to do so. But where we are seeing employers listening to our uh, tradeswomen or our female apprentices, um, it is making really positive shifts um, in what's happening in those kinds of environments. And so that's really basic things around understanding what a paid parental leave might look like, yeah. um, not just for your female uh, apprentices and tradies, but also for your male apprentices and tradies as well. So making a much more welcoming environment for parents, um, looking at those types of hours. So if you do have staff who have children, um, how childcare arrangements might affect um, their working hours. Some really basic things around making sure that you've got facilities uh, for yes. women on site. You know, it's it sounds so basic. It's something that we should be doing, but uh, being able to have uh, toilets, being able to have um, safe spaces, you know, around lunchrooms, and those kinds of uh, things as well around appropriate PPE. Um, these are all really important um, elements to make sure that you've got a welcoming environment. Um, and then also making sure that your supervisors um, are standing up to any inappropriate behaviour. They're really willing to you know, mentor and support their female apprentices um, and other uh, tradies on site. So there are some really um, important, there's a really important work that employers are already doing and important steps um, that they can take to make that workplace um, more accessible um, mm. and a, a better culture for women. But then we also have uh, the work that our female tradies out there right now are doing. So there are so many amazing organisations across Australia. So empowering women in trades, yes. supporting and linking trades women, trades women Australia. There are so many organisations out there who are doing work to support uh, current female apprentices and tradies. So um, networks. So just having the capacity to talk to other women who are in these kinds of roles about what's going on, you know, how to overcome challenges that come up. Um, because of course, you know, there are challenges in the workforce for anyone, regardless of whether they're in a trade or not. But having that supportive network to be able to overcome some of these, you know, the tips and tricks. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, the, the need to vent about what's happened that day to someone who really understands what's uh, going on in your environment. Um, but those uh, networks and those women are doing a lot to push industry and push employers to do better. They're also really doing a lot of work uh, to make sure that uh, careers information is getting out to young girls and women to understand what's going on in the environment um, and uh, to, to promote uh, the real benefits of these kind of trade career pathways to young women and girls. So I think the changes are coming at both ends. Um, you're getting uh, the employer movement and you're also getting the, uh, the female trading movement as well. Thank you, Peter. And it's lovely to hear that it is coming from both ends. Um, and particularly, I think, important that it gets endorsed from the board level of an organisation. And it filters right through uh, the company. Um, on that note, we can see the shifts uh, culturally within organisations. We're starting to see a shift economically. How is more women in trades going to impact uh, Australia and our workforce needs? Okay, workforce needs is is a really big one at the economy wide uh, scale because you know as I said we've got around fifty percent of our trades are in current skill shortage, um, and so what that means really is that employers aren't able to take on people with the skills that they need um, in the roles that they need people working in. And this is impacting productivity. It's impacting innovation. Um, if employers aren't able to get people to do 
those kinds of jobs, then they're going to be, first of all, overworking the people that they've already got, which means that you don't have any um, space to make changes, to do the types of projects that employers might be looking uh, to do um, outside of their core business. So those innovation elements, but it also might mean uh, passing over uh, different types of projects that might come their way as well. So they're unable to be as productive um, as they may wish to be. Um, it's also driving up costs as well. So mm. when you don't have people to actually do the jobs that need to be done, of course, um, you do end up paying more um, to get someone out to do that. Um, and so that's a really big challenge for the economy. So being able to get more women and more diverse people into trades means that we'll have a greater pool of people working um, in these roles, um, hopefully bringing down some of those skills <laughs> shortages. So we don't necessarily want an oversupply of mm, tradies, mm, but I don't mm. think that we're at any risk of that in uh, the the really the short, medium or long term, because as I said, this is our most acute skill shortage area is in our trades. Um, and we've got massive future demand projected as well. So we need to do a lot of work really rapidly um, to uh, to more people skilled right now, but then also retain them in the industry for the long term and continue that pipeline of skilled workers coming through. And then what this means as well at an individual level is we know that the trades are one of our higher paying um, industries or, mm, or mm. occupation groups. And so you're able to get more women into roles that are paying well, uh, which does mean uh, that we're going to be driving down the gender pay gap, which we know has been really stubborn um, across uh, history, essentially. Mm. Um, so that's one really important way to be able to, to close uh, that particular gap. Um, and that means that we're going to have uh, more women who are able to have greater purchasing power. So going out and, you know, buying houses, buying nice cars, those kinds of things. So mm. again, real benefits on the economy, but also at that individual level, having women who are in a strong financial position um, for themselves and being able to continue to drive changes that we need across, um, you know, across the uh, their purchasing power, so things like being able to influence childcare arrangements and be able to pay for those kinds of arrangements, but then also um, with what they want to do um, economically for themselves as well and for their future. Um, so we're going to see really good benefits. The more women we can get in, the better it is for the women, but also the better it is for the employers and for the Australian economy as well. And that's why we're seeing governments really trying to drive change across uh, this. So, you know, we, we talked a moment ago about the uh, the change drivers from employers and from uh, women, but we're also seeing that from government as well because they are recognising the larger scale impacts that having more women in trades will, uh, will have. What are we seeing from government at the moment? Yeah, so... I mean, it does vary across Australia, mm. but um, at a, a national level, so our Australian government is really investing in the future of apprenticeships. So we're going to be seeing some uh, bigger changes in the future uh, in the next year or so around what that looks like. But in the shorter term, we are seeing investment in mentoring programs and support programs for women in trades, mm. uh, which is a fantastic initiative to see uh, that happening. Um, and then as we move into new arrangements in the next year or so um, for supporting apprentices, we're going to see that really enhanced as well, um, seeing hopefully greater career guidance and support for girls who are considering apprenticeship careers, um, but also that support um, to get them into a job and then support once they're on the job as well. So that's really fantastic to see that kind of investment, apprenticeships and skills mm. are 
really at the forefront of the Australian uh, government um, program changes at the moment um, and that mindset. So we've seen mm. that really good recognition. And then at a state level, we're seeing a lot of work um, across Australia. So we've got state governments that have implemented things like skills guarantees. We're also going to be seeing that federally as well, um, where we have requirements around uh apprentices and trainees uh, working on government contracted uh, projects mm. and programs. And then we're going to, we already are seeing, and we're going to see uh, gender quotas as part of that as well, or other types of diversity quotas. Um, so employers are going to be required to take on apprentices and to take on female apprentices and tradies um, in government uh, funded work. Um, and so that's a really significant driver when government's actually putting uh, kind of KPIs mm. on their funding um, around driving more women in these trades. So we're seeing a lot of work across uh, different types of elements um, from the government. We're also seeing then at the other end around careers. Uh, so careers programs mm. in schools, we're seeing governments really investing in our school students, um, making sure that they have really good careers information. Um, and so that's typically at a state level. So it is varying place by place, um, but we are really seeing a lot of that uh, kind of change um, and drive from government around making sure that young people have the information that they need to make good career decisions. Um, and hopefully a bit more in the future, information that parents need to help their children make good career decisions. Because I think that's a, an element that at the moment is really only starting to emerge, but I think is becoming um, bigger at the moment as well. So that support for um, parents being able to help their children. Yes, so important career development for students at those critical times when they're making subject selections, for example, which you mentioned earlier, and also for parents. What I find interesting is that there's a lot of discussion around, you know, people that are practical and hands-on going into trade-based careers. However, I read a really fascinating newspaper article the other day about a young woman who was very academic and, in fact, scored very high scores in her ATAR, however, chose a trade career. So what can we do more to encourage academic people or people who see themselves as academic into trade careers um, yeah, what can we do? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great question. And I think that's something the entire industry is grappling with at the moment. I'd say first off that um, being academic and uh, wanting to do a trade and, and do that kind of practical work, they're not mutually exclusive. Exactly. Uh, so we do need smart people going into trades. Uh, we need all kinds of people going into all kinds of different careers because the more diversity that we have in there, the better it is um, for innovation, creativity and productivity as well. Um, so I would say first off, you know, a lot of our trades do have uh, really decent uh, requirements for their training. So as I said earlier, you are working on the job and learning on the job, but you're also going and doing your off the job training. Um, and that does require really good language literacy and numeracy skills. And in some of our trades, it requires really, really good math skills to, for, you know, for some of us, a bit of an intimidating level sometimes. Mm. Um, so particularly in things like, you know, electrical, there's a lot of um, maths involved in that. In carpentry, if you don't know your angles, you're going to have really big problems, but there's a lot of other uh, maths that goes on in that uh, trade as well, just to say its angles is a bit uh, reductive, but there is a lot that needs to be done there. And across um, a lot of our trades, what we're seeing is, in fact, a lot of employers who are looking for people who have finished school, who have done well 
well at school in those um, science and mathematics type subjects going into trades. So I think when when we're thinking about you know finishing school and what pathway do we want to take, you know, is it university? Is it going to TAFE or a training provider, or is it an apprenticeship? We need to think about what really fulfills us. Um, you know, for some people that's studying from books and listening to lectures. I have to admit that I, I'm one of those people. I, I really enjoyed going to university. Um, I would have a really bad time if I tried to go into a trade, but I really appreciate the types of work that goes on there. And I know a lot of people who much prefer that that type of work and that type of learning where it is hands-on and applied and practical. Um, but with the, a lot of these apprenticeships, we do need to consider some of the book uh, type skills or the learning type skills that might uh, go on in there as well, because that is an important element. Um, if you think you're going into an apprenticeship and you're never going to sit in a classroom again in your life, um, I've got some bad news. Um, unfortunately, there is some classroom learning that will go on. Um, and there is theory that uh, apprentices are going to be trained up in. So uh, I think it's less about that dichotomy and more about what fulfills you. If you are really keen on a trade career and working those types of occupations, it doesn't matter whether uh, you think university is a better option or you know a TAFE or training uh, course is a better option. You need to look at um, what's actually going to create that better outcome for you in your personal career pathway. I love that, talking about what fulfills us. I mean, what better message is that? Um, we spoke earlier, earlier about the importance of parents and for them to explicitly state it's okay for their daughter or their son to go in any career that they choose. How can we arm parents with the right messages in terms of encouraging particularly their daughters to go into a trade-based career, which we've discussed is quite a lucrative option? Yeah, I think there's a lot that needs to be done, you know, around awareness raising first off. So the more that we can get um, an awareness out there that uh, all career options are for anyone, depending on, you know, again, what fulfills them and what their, their passion is and what direction they want to take. Um, but breaking down some of those stereotypes and those barriers um, around um, gender. And that's something that comes back a lot to culture um, and a lot to, to media and uh, the, the types of images and messages that are out there. So we're seeing a lot happening at the moment, um, not just targeting parents, targeting all Australians mm. um, around what, what a tradie is and what they look like. Um, and so you'll see a lot of the time now when people are putting out images, um, whether that's, you know, a billboard or, a, you know, a sign at a bus stop or a train station that we are seeing um, more diverse uh, tradespeople that are being profiled in those. So that's one really fantastic way to just showcase that uh, tradies don't just look like one thing. There, are, there is a lot of diversity in that um, and getting that message out. Um, when we're talking about, you know, parents of younger kids, I think there's a lot of media out there that um, perpetuates that myth around uh, male tradies, but there is a lot of movement happening at the moment. So as a parent, I think it's around challenging your biases. Um, and when you're seeing something that might be a little bit different, just, you know, showing that to your kids and showing that to yourself. Um, so there's that kind of cultural element, I think. But then for parents who are kind of at that point you're in where their, their children, their daughters might be considering subject selection, career options, those types of things, that can be really challenging because you've already uh, had 
you know, a lifetime for your young person um, of different types of messaging coming through. Um, so it can be around, you know, ch- again, challenging your own biases around the types of things that you're saying to your daughter, just making sure that you're listening to what she wants um, rather than projecting what you want um, and the types of things that you are saying in those kinds of discussions. That might be as simple as actually opening up a conversation. Um you know, with someone, maybe it, you know, it could be as simple as saying, "Hey, you know, when you were a kid, you really liked playing with Lego. Um, so, have you considered, you know, careers that might, uh, you know, take up some of those building skills?" Um, and just see what comes back. Um, see what your daughter's considering, what she's thinking. Um, maybe she's got some of those biases and, and stereotypes around the fact that, um, oh yes, but women women can't do trades, girls can't do that. None of my friends are, um, and it can be be challenging that. Or it can be around um, engaging with careers information yourself as a parent. That's something that Mm. you can absolutely do. Go and talk to teachers at school. You know, I'm sure that parent-teacher interviews still exist. So have those discussions around what your daughter is thriving in, um, what she's enjoying at school and having discussions with the teacher around, well, what are the career options um, that might come out of these subjects um, or out of the things that uh, she's enjoying, maybe extracurricular activities um, that she's doing, you know, either at school or, or completely away from that environment and considering those types of um, ideas because a lot of the time people that run those activities or teachers at school will be able to give um, some guidance um, around what that looks like and then if there is a career counsellor or a career um, uh, advisor or or specialist um, they can potentially also help you out with what that might look like um, in your specific circumstance as well. And there are a raft of online um, materials, resources that can help out. So if you are really thinking about, oh gosh, what do I do? Where do I start? Uh, You know, Google's a great place to start. Um, If you jump on, have a bit of a search, see what's out there. There is a lot of information um, from, uh, as I said, governments, but also from industry groups as well around what types of career pathways there are. Um, And you can start really basic around what types of things do, does my daughter like doing? You could sit down with her um, and and consider that. Or, you know, if you know the types of things that she's considering, jump in and have a bit of a look around different types of industries to inform those discussions. But a lot of the time, this influence really is um, coming through everyday discussions. It's not necessarily a parent sitting down um, with their child and say, hey, you need to do X, Y, Z. It can be around the types of language you use about, you know, aspirations. Maybe it's that, you know, university is better um, or it's, you know, higher education option um, with the implication that maybe an apprenticeship or, uh, you know, a, a vocational education option is lower, um, which is really not how um, that uh, should be considered. So language really plays a big role um, and considering how you're talking um, with your daughter could just be the, the tipping point. Such great advice. And it's almost about taking a curiosity Um, mindset, being curious and suspending assumptions you have about your daughter. So things that you think will play out and being curious, asking open-ended questions, exploring the resources on the internet uh, to get more help in that way. So to be kind of broader in your consideration of careers that she might be interested in. Uh, Peter, tell me a little bit about the research that you do. What's your topic and what are you exploring? 
Yeah, so we've we've done quite a bit of different research over the years, but a couple of uh, projects that I think really um, are, are relevant to this discussion. Um, so we did one uh, project which is around um, how young people are finding information about careers. So where are they going? What do they like looking at? Um, and what's really resonating with them? Um, and something that we found, which was really very surprising um, for us, was that young people really like hard copy resources. Wow. Um, yeah, we were we were really blown away at this because we thought, you know, young people, digital natives, jumping online on their phone for anything, um, you know, I guess a lot of those stereotypes that we hold mm. about young people nowadays. Um, but actually that a lot of young people, particularly when it comes to discussions with their parents, like being able to have something that they can take away and hold and look at and point at um, and take home and hand over to uh, mum, dad, you know, caregiver, aunt, uncle, neighbour, whoever it might be that they're having that discussion with and say, hey, look at this um, and be able to sit down and go over that together. And I think a lot of the time that our online resources um, don't always have that kind of um, uh, touch and feel and, and discussion uh, context to it. So that was a really surprising um, result for us um, in that research that young people were really looking for that um, takeaway, I guess, uh, resource that they're able to have discussions with and carry around with them. Um, and so something that we did after that was, uh, I guess, update some of our online resources to have hard copies. So when you are going out to a career expo and talking with young people, um, that you can give them something to take away with them to, you know, jog their memory when they get home and are, are thinking about what they took away. Um, so I think that was that was a really interesting piece of research about how young people are looking at that. One of the other things that did come out of that is that um, at that kind of upper end of high school, so year 10 to 12 kind of age group, um, people already have quite strong um, beliefs and ideas about what they want to do in the future. And, you know, if it's a, a pathway that makes a lot of sense for them, so someone who is, um, I guess, going down a pathway that is quite typical. Um, so that might be a young man going into a trade or a young woman going to a, a university career, that those pathways are really easy to access. The information is really easy to access. But if it's something a little bit different, a little bit outside of norms, that that can be really challenging um, to find information about um, or you know, to, to have those discussions about. Um, so for a young woman considering a trade pathway or a trade apprenticeship option, um, knowing where to find that information, being able to have those sometimes uncomfortable discussions about the fact that that's what she wants to do rather than um, what might be typical um, could be, you know, a, a challenge. And I think we need to make some of that information a bit more accessible. Now, the other big research piece that we did um, a couple of years back now, uh, actually partly during COVID was around parents and their perceptions of the future of work. Um, and it was really triggered by this idea of robots are coming to take our jobs. Um, and, you know, robots are a thing. Um, and even more so now, AI and technology is a thing. Absolutely. And it is something that we all need to be aware of. But what we've seen over history and what we're seeing now is that changes in technology create jobs. They do also um, displace some roles um, and they change a lot more roles than what they displace. So we are having to learn uh, new skills, how to use new tools, new technologies. Um, but overall, 
uh, tech changes can actually be a good thing. They create opportunities, they create brand new roles, um, but they also do uh, require more of that lifelong learning as well. Um, And so we found that parents in general didn't have great understanding of career options and career pathways. Um, It was really a lot more around um, stereotypes, around cultural understanding um, of different types of careers. And of course, you know, parents aren't trained career professionals. We can't expect them to be. That's, that's uh, you know, unless they actually are, but most parents aren't. Um, so we need to make it easier for parents to take that career journey with their child um, rather than expecting that just because they've got kids, they have that understanding. So there's been some research um, that shows that most people can only name up to 20 different occupations. Um, And there are hundreds, you know, we often say in the apprenticeship sector that there are over 500 different career options. And so if you're only able to name 20, and that's not just in the apprenticeship industry, um, it does mean that there's a lot that you're missing out on. Um, And so that's really where we've been trying to go out and do a bit more of that, um, as as you said before, Stacey, around um, uh, curiosity and Mm. understanding what's what's out there and what you can do. and, you know, I've even been guilty of it just as we've been talking, often referring back to trades as around electrical, carpentry, plumbing, which are our big ones. But actually, there are hundreds of trades out there that you can do. Some of them are really small and really niche. So things like uh, jewellery manufacturing is mm. uh, quite popular, but there probably aren't a lot um, of apprenticeships out there. Um, but there are also a lot of different types of industries that we can work in in trades as well. Um, you know, some that I haven't even mentioned today would be around like agriculture is a really um, big industry across Australia as well. Um, and I know we've briefly mentioned um, the changes to um, the economy caused by um, net zero ambitions and also the circular mm. economy as well. But we're seeing a lot of new occupations and new roles um, emerging in these areas. Um, and so for a parent who's trying to understand um you know, what changes to industries and occupations look like, let alone what's already out there. It can be really challenging. So I think that uh, really comes back to um, trying to explore with your child um, what um, they might be looking at and really tapping into some of those resources that can help you with it. That is just such a good point. And you've pointed out the importance of another human-centred skill, which is flexibility and adaptability, particularly in an industry that is ever-changing and we're taking into account more technology, for example. Um, So that's such a great point that you've made. The other point that I wanted to make when young people are considering a future apprenticeship Going to a group training organisation is a really good idea. So, for example, MyGas, we employ apprentices and we have a website full of a whole range of different jobs. So you can read the description of the jobs and start to get a sense of what you're attracted to. Uh, In the same vein, uh, MyGas is starting to explore apprenticeships and the skills required in green energy as well. So we are at the forefront of the changes in the industry. So that's another resource that young people can can connect into. Um, Peter, as we start to draw a close to the uh, podcast today, I just have a couple of questions for you. Um, What is it that you love about what you do? Oh, there's so much to love about working in the apprenticeship space. Um, You know, the fact that we're able to connect people up with information that can really change their life, um, you know, 
moving into a career option, uh, you know, an employment or education option that really resonates with them, that fulfills them, that can tap into their their passion and, and their purpose um, is a really fulfilling job for me. So that's really where I find my purpose. Um, and I feel very lucky that I'm able to work um, in this industry. You know, you know, as we've talked about today, um, choosing the right career um, can impact, you know, an individual, it can impact, you know, an employer and a business, and it can impact that economy wide scale. So I think for me being able to work in this industry, it's being able to see the impacts really across the board. And and sometimes, you know, that's, you know, in just a big statistic across the screen. And other times it's in that really personal story and being able to talk uh, with tradies, uh, with women whose lives have changed by moving into these kinds of careers, um, talking to people across the industry and employers about the impact that a good decision has made on their life um, or the impact that you know a second or third chance has made on their life as well. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not as clear cut as you know jumping into your first option and loving it, um, but being able to have that kind information resource um, as a fallback uh, is is really important um, and being able to see the impacts of that is just uh, such a fantastic um, job for, for me to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just so important for all of us um parents, people in the community, educators, um, people in government, that we get that language right. And we're conscious of the messages that we're giving to young people um, because as they get older, they're, you know, they get more set in terms of what their influences are and what their decisions are. Um, what advice would you give a young woman who is on the precipice of making a decision and is sort of perhaps tinkering with going that easy option because it's what they know and they've got the information, what would you say to them um, in terms of considering a female traditional apprenticeship? There are two really big things I'd love to say to, to these young women. First off, you can change in the future. If you don't like it, um, you can change. Uh, most people change careers. Uh, so that's that's not a problem. Um, if you decide to take the option that might seem easier or more relevant to you right now and you want to go and do a trade in the future, then that's absolutely an option and a possibility. So you don't need to feel like the choice that you make right now is the last one uh, because that's just not how careers work. So you don't need to stress too much about that. But if you really are passionate about considering a trade uh, career as an option and you're just not sure if it's for you, I would say go and talk to people who are doing it. Connect up with some of the organisations who can support you with that information, whether it is a women in trades type organisation or a group training organisation like MyGas or one of the many other apprenticeship type organisations or career organisations out there. Go and explore those options because if you can get it right now, it can be easier. Again, it doesn't mean you can't change later, but if you're able to go into something that you really are passionate about and really love right now, then that is going to be a great outcome for you. Um, and don't be scared of, you know, slightly shifting your focus in that as well. We know a lot of the time, you know, we might explore two, three, four, five or more options and find that maybe they're not quite the right ones for us. Um, so it's, it's really about that exploration, that curiosity, going out and, you know, giving it a try if you want to as well, um, talking to people out there to make sure you've got that really good realistic understanding of what might be out there for you. Exactly. And, you know, we used to say it's all about who I want to be, but I think now the focus is more on who am I? So learning more about ourselves so we can make those career decisions and understanding that 
the decision that you make isn't for the rest of your life. It's your next step and you can change along the way. And as we said before, careers are not linear. Uh, Thank you very much, Peter. It's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, on today. And I know what you've said is going to help a lot of women in their decision making. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been excellent to uh, hopefully help some young women and their parents out uh, with those career decisions. This project is funded by the Trade Pathways Program, Trading Services New South Wales, and produced in partnership with MyGas Apprentices and Trainees. Now, if you're on the lookout for an apprenticeship opportunity, we've got a valuable resource for you. In the show notes, you'll find a link to MyGas where you can connect with them directly. They've been instrumental in helping thousands of tradies get qualified.